Pulse Podcast Network, keeping your finger on the pulse. It's time for episode 81 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And we're catching you up on several tournaments throughout Cincinnati and Dayton, plus a second conference in the region possibly splitting up. It's all on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast to subscribe and listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Opening theme provided by Brian Boyko from freepd.com. Follow along on social media on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and on Gem on Queen Crown. And now for our host, Lee W. Mowen. This theme will self-destruct in three, two, one. Nice to have you back here on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. As there are two coaches in the Sunday area that picked up their 400th coaching wins. First for Oak Hills coach Mike Price, who is in his 27th year at the helm with Oak Hills in Cincinnati. Also Lakota West Andy Fishman, the girls basketball coach, picked up his 400 win on January 16th. Both of these are from Mike Dyer of WCPO. Andy Fishman's been with Lakota West since the school district split up. East-West back in 1997. That's been a while now, 21 years. Like I mentioned, Mike Price, he's been with Oak Hills for 27. So congrats go out to both coaches and their 400th win in Cincinnati. Also, Wright State Simone Simmons out of Westerville North High School in Columbus broke the rebounding record at WSU, which has been standing since 1995 when Lori Collins picked up her 897th rebound. Simmons with 184 boards on the year and 903 in her junior year at Wright State. So congrats go out to Simone Simmons for breaking the school record in rebounds for women's basketball. And now we're talking about a different kind of break as 10 of the 14 cross-county conference schools look to separate. And this source is from David Fong of the Daily Advocate, the paper in Dark County and Greenville. On January 18th, school superintendents, principals, and athletic directors from the 14 CCC member schools met in an emergency meeting to discuss the future of the conference. The four that want to stay put are Miami East, Bethel, Covington, and Fort Loramie. They were told by the Ever 10 they were planning on exiting the cross-county conference. Three of those four are located in Miami County, those being Miami East, Covington, and Bethel, Fort Loramie, just a little bit north of Miami County. So, in case you don't know what the cross-county conference is, it is a gathering of 14 schools, like I mentioned, mostly small schools, from the Dark County, Preble County, and Miami County area. Some of those 10 are founding members back in 1978, and I'll talk a little bit about that later, but 
The 10 teams looking to leave the Cross County with the decisions mainly based on football. Twin Valley South out of West Alexandria, Tri-County North out of Lewisburg, National Trail by Richmond, Tri-Village out of New Madison, Arcanum, Ansonia, Bradford, Mississinawa Valley, Franklin Monroe, which no, it's not the combination of Franklin and Monroe schools in Warren and Butler counties. It is Franklin Township and Monroe Township in Southern Dark County. And Newton in Miami County. Franklin Monroe and Newton are the only schools now without football. Tri-Village added it a couple years ago and got the first taste of cross-county football last fall, which would be 2017. Between these 10 schools, there are two football titles won, and Sonia won the CCC in 2009, and Tri-County North won it in 2014. The rest of the titles since 2006, Covington has won eight titles and shared in 2006, 2007, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015, and 2016. So Covington has a pretty successful football program, you might say. Miami East has three of their own, one or shared in 2008, 2015 with Covington, and 2017. So the four schools have most of the titles in football, and the schools looking to leave only have two since 2006. So the 10 schools won out before the two years are up, which is what the Cross County Conference requires if someone wants to leave. The last team to leave was Anna, but Anna was a football-only program. Now in the Midwest Athletic Conference, you know, that strong conference with the small school football program, you know, Marion Local to be one of the two, Coldwater another one. So before two years, so... Maybe after 2019, 2020's done. And there's a battle for who keeps the Cross County Conference name as well, which is, you know, the most important thing. The schools that are staying put, the four that don't want to go, want the name, and they're arguing that it should be theirs because they're not leaving anything. Whereas most of the ten are founding members where Twin Valley South, back then Twin Valley North, National Trail, and Preble Shawnee joined from the Wayne Trace League. Shawnee didn't stay long, however. Joined in 1978, then left after 83-84. Also, Ansonia, Arcana, Bradford, Franklin Monroe, Mississippi Valley, Newton, and Tri-Village came from the Dark County League, and Bethel joined from the Three Rivers Conference back in 1978. Covington was... Added on from the Southwestern Rivers Conference in 1991. I mentioned Anna. They were football only in the CCC from 2001 until the completion of 2005 season. Miami East, they were the last school to be added back in 2006 from the Central Buckeye Conference. And I mentioned Tri-Village recently added football. This upcoming football season will be the third year in the Cross County Conference. So, most of those teams that are founders are leaving, with the exception of Bethel. I'll have to admit, this is the uh, source from the previous conferences, or from David Fong's article, again, Daily Advocate. 
I thought that the Preble County Schools came from the Preble County League because that was a thing back then. And turns out now it was Wayne County League or Wayne Trace Conference, excuse me. So it's interesting because it is the small school conference in Preble County. Three of the five schools are in the CCC. Preble Shawnee was a member for a few years. I'm not. I don't think Eaton was ever part of the CCC. They're the biggest school in the county. Because of the ongoing negotiations and discussions between several districts concerning athletic conference affiliation, and out of respect for this process, we will not have a specific comments until those discussions and negotiations have concluded. This is from Newton's Superintendent Pat McBride, who wrote to Miami Valley Today. I mentioned in the preview that this is the second conference that's looking on splitting. The one that is happening is the Greater Western Ohio Conference. We're now nine, excuse me, eight schools are staying put. Trotwood Mass and got voted off the island. And Lebanon is going to the Eastern Cincinnati Conference soon. And the schools leaving mostly up north are forming the reincarnation of Miami Valley League. So, the big reason is football, and I mentioned the four schools that are staying put have won most of those titles, with Covington and Miami East being the stronger programs. Miami East, the latest school to be added back in 2006, Covington back in 1991. So, football being the big reason, and in the state of Ohio... Of course, not every football team gets the chance to go to the playoffs. You have to be in the top eight in your region to secure a playoff spot. And that is based on, you know, how tough your schedule is, how well you play, what's your record, how handily you won those games. It's based on computer points. Twin Valley South, a couple seasons back, they were 7-2. and two, And that was the year that Bradford did not field a team because they had 11 players. Bradford did. South was 7-0 at one point, and then there went the Bradford bye week, and then South lost to Tri-County North in the rivalry game, and then fell by a touchdown to Miami East, only to have a home playoff game locked up in West Alexandria to not making the playoffs at all. So I get where these 10 schools are coming from because, you know, most of your success runs through Covington, Miami East. And the only two that want to leave that have won titles, and Sonia back in 2009, Tri-County North in 2014. And that was a really good TCN program. So, it just was football related, and that's that. And, and I sort of get it. I mean, you want to have success in all your sports. Duh. Football is the big thing in the state of Ohio. So what's going to happen with the cross-county conference? I don't know, because you can't really have a conference with four teams if the 10 do bolt. And then if they don't bolt, then you're going to have 10 unhappy schools thinking that, you know, what's next? Because Fort Loramie is a very tough program as well. They're in the CCC for football now, and it'll just make it that much tougher to win. CCC. So I'm not sure what's going to happen 
CCC wants two years notice and the schools don't want to stay in the league for two more years. Should the split come, which group of schools will keep the cross-county conference name also becomes a point of debate. Miami says they're not leaving. Why should we have to change the conference name? And most of the leaving schools were founders back in 78. So very interesting. Very, very interesting. I forget which episode it was. It was a year or so back where this was talked about. And for Twin Valley South, Tri-County North, those are small school districts. I mean, they cover a lot of area combined, but, you know, that's farmland mostly. And West Alex has about a thousand people, if that. And one stoplight that works. And the other one is mostly for school buses to leave the school. Lewisburg's got a little bit more. Uh, not by much, but I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. But they're two small school districts. I thought that joining the Southwestern Buckeye League would be the logical choice because of the fact that, you know, if you add all the Preble County schools, then you got Preble Shawnee and Eaton. So there you go. You can have a Preble County district, which, eh, I don't know about that. You could have, like, big schools, kind of middle schools. Well, not middle schools, but middle-sized schools. There we go. And the smallest schools. You can have three. Right now, the SWBL has 14 teams in Southwestern and Buckeye divisions. I don't know what you named the third division, but I always thought that, you know, if you made that happen, that's a possibility. The only problem is... From New Paris to Waynesville, oh, don't even want to think about that road trip, especially during the winter. I mean, that's that's a bit of a hike, and that's not including if the Dark County schools join in as well. You're talking Mississinawa Valley, which is northwest Dark County by Union City, Indiana. Yeah, that's a hike to Waynesville, which is the southeastmost team. It's probably not as fun going to Monroe either because that's the southmost team on 75. Although, if you stick to the freeway, then you're fine, I guess. So, CCC. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to it. Again, small school conference. It'll be very, very interesting to see how those schools split. And now it's time to talk about the tournaments that happened during Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Yes, I know. It's the last week of January, heading into the first week of February. And it's now last weekend, but things happened. I didn't get to do my update episode last week for various reasons. Mainly, I lost track of time. So let's talk about the hockey tournament hosted by the Centerville Elks, the MLK Showcase. Normally it's an eight-team round-robin type of thing. You play your three games, and depending how well you do, you play the place that you wind up in points. This year it turned out to be five teams, and then Friday it turned out that one of them canceled because the incoming winter storm would have made it not fun getting from up north to down here, so that's understandable. We had the host Elks, the Elder Panthers out of Cincinnati, the Northern Kentucky Norse, 
again led by head coach Damian Tello, a guest on episode 79. Go back and listen to it. It's a really nice episode. And also the Canton-Akron Jets. So your four teams, they played three games, scheduled for four, and went back to the point system, which is you win points if you win a period and a game, you get half points if you tie, and you don't get anything if you lose a period or a game. Your results in that game, Centerville defeated Elder 8-1, to which also serves as the end back on a home-and-home in the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League. If you're in the same division, you play a home-and-home. Home. Both those games have to be at South Metro because of the fact that Elder's Northland Ice Arena did not have ice. It does now, which is great news. Centerville won 8-1 to over Elder. Northern Kentucky beat Canton-Akron 2-0. Very, very good game between very strong club teams. Again, not affiliated with any high school, so... For those that want to join the club from a high school that doesn't offer ice hockey, they're free to do that. And that was your first day. Your second day, that was when the winter storm was closing in. Canton Akron defeated Centerville 7-2, and Northern Kentucky beat Elder 4-1. That Saturday night, Canton Akron defeated Elder 9-0, and Northern Kentucky took a shootout win over Centerville 4-3, which in that contest, Centerville did not go in the penalty box once. And I think Norfolk, Kentucky went in the box once, maybe twice. So yeah, it's a very, very clean game. Very, very fun game as well. Centerville tied it up late, and then Norfolk, Kentucky took it in a three-round shootout, 1-0. A lot of fun to call. Uh, Sunday's games, which would determine who won the tournament, were canceled because of the awful cold and the awful weather, meaning Norfolk, Kentucky took first place. With 12.5 points out of a possible 15, the Norse played very well in that tournament. With Canton Akron taking 10.5, Centerville 6.5, and Elder a half point. Like I said, always a lot of fun when I see the familiar teams of Elder, Northern Kentucky, and of course my Centerville Elks hockey family. Uh, met some nice people from Canton Akron's squad. Uh, previously part of the Jackson Polar Bears team, and then they merged with a rival club to bring the Canton Akron Jets into existence. One thing that is weird, their high school program's called the Jets, and yes, they do have the Winnipeg Jets uh, two stripes on the elbow look, if you know your hockey jerseys or hockey sweaters. But their youth program's called the Canton Akron Penguins, which makes sense. Pittsburgh's not too far away, and the Penguins being the historically... Strong NHL team. Almost moved to Kansas City, but we don't talk about that, do we? So congrats go out to the Norse. And also this past weekend, very strong showing by Northern Kentucky. They're tied for first in the Kentucky High School Hockey League. They do need some help. By the way, they're tied for first with Louisville Metro. They do need some help clinching the number one seed overall in the Kentucky State Tournament happening the first weekend of March. But a very young Norse team playing very well. It's a good team, good coach, and I can't wait to go back to Kentucky this time, Louisville. Centerville doing well despite the injuries. The Elks are coming off a 9-5 win at Troy. Originally, that was supposed to be a game at the Finley Cube. It was moved down to Troy, take on the Trojans. By the way, thanks to Coach Phil Knoll for the Troy Trojans hockey shirt that I'm 
currently wearing when I'm recording this podcast. I appreciate it. Again, Northern Kentucky wins the MLK Showcase with 12.5 points out of 15. Can Akron 10.5, Centerville 6.5, and Elder half a point. Now we talk about the big basketball tournament that happened in Dayton. Actually, it happened in Middletown. We'll say flying to the hoop last. Because like I mentioned, SUV TV has not paid me for the year I broadcast. They have not asked me to come back to broadcast. And they blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> I love it. It's not flying to the hoops fault. It's SUV TVs. So don't think I'm bashing you know, sports image or anything like that. I'm bashing SUV TV. <laughs> also, nice block on Twitter is what I mentioned as well. So there you go. So we're talking about the Midwest King Classic held at Middletown High School's Jerry Lucas Court at the Wade E. Miller Gym. This is the new gym built into Middletown's high school, not the old gym that closed down last December, which had most of the memories of Middies basketball. A portion of the tickets sold went to benefits funding to Kids to Camp, which was established to provide scholarships to disadvantaged or disabled youth for the opportunity to attend sports camps. So your results in that, not as many games as flying to the hoop, but still pretty good turnout of teams. There was one game that was canceled. Urbana did not make the trip to Middletown, and that's... uh, pretty understandable reason because they're from Champaign County. If you don't know your geography, uh, Champaign County is closer to Columbus and Middletown is closer to Cincinnati. You do the figuring on how far that is. It's pretty far for the hill climbers. So they did not get to play against the Big Red of Hughes. I did not get a score on Middletown girls basketball versus Western Hills. But your scores in this, Covington Catholic, 47, Elder, 31, Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy, 65, Sycamore, 58, Crestwood Prep Canada, 64, Middletown, 50, LaSalle beats Thurgood Marshall, 60 to 48, Purcell Marion, 83, Deer Park, 67, and Moeller defeats Lakota East, 61, 53. Again, Moeller undefeated and currently tops in Division One in Ohio high school hoops. So, very fun Midwest King Classic. It's not as big as flying to the hoop, but still, you have a lot of local schools getting the chance, and one Canadian school in there in Crestwood Prep. But local talent still showcased. I hope the Midwest King Classic continues to grow because, again, Middletown's got a brand new gymnasium. It's beautiful. It's... It's it's even more fancier than Hamilton's new gym, and Hamilton's is only a couple years older than Middletown. So, very nice gymnasium, and I think the tournament is a slam dunk, if I can make some bad puns about basketball. Now, how about that big tournament? I'm talking about the Classic in the Country, which is not held in Cincinnati-Dayton area. It's at Berlin Highland in northeastern Ohio often referred to as Amish country. And your results in that, there are some local high school teams that managed to pull off great results. We'll start off with Mason defeating Laurel, 60-45. to Lakota West, 66. Solon, 44. Again, remember, Lakota West's coach Andy Fishman picked up his 400th win earlier this month. Mount Notre Dame, 59. Hamilton Heights out of Tennessee, 51. 
Host Berlin Highland 42, Margarita 33. Don't ask me where that is. Margarita, I mean. Tri-Valley 44, Sycamore 42. Tri-Valley is Dresden, you know, the area with the big Longenberger basket, which is now empty and, I guess, foreclosed on. And Sycamore being in the Cincinnati area by 275 and 71's juncture. So there you go. Mount Notre Dame defeats Cornerstone Christian 59-32. Hamilton Heights, Tennessee comes back from their loss to Mount Notre Dame to hand Lakota West a 61-59 defeat. Newark defeats Mason 52-39. Fairmont with a 69-37 win over Loudonville. And Loudonville takes down Dalton the next game 46-41. Hopewell, Loudon 50. West Holmes 41. New Philadelphia 62. Magnificent 55. Newark defeats Wadsworth 44-28. Pickerington Central edges out Fairmont 50-43. Aurora defeats Bellevue 56-52. And Berlin Highland takes down Lincoln 44-36. The Classic in the Country, it's a long-standing girls basketball tournament. This year, weather got to Berlin Highland and some of the teams called off and didn't show up and there had to be a couple of rearranging of the games, the teams and everything. This January has not been fun in terms of weather and winter. In fact, the polar vortex coming through, I know everyone's saying, duh, it's winter, it's supposed to be cold. But uh, yeah, it's supposed to be negative 34 in terms of wind chill. Burr. We'll talk about Central State and Wilberforce. I think the greatest rivalry in college hoops that's still going on in the Dayton area. The Marauders and the Bulldogs of Wilberforce having tough years. Eight wins combined for the two schools. And Central State comes out on top 65-60. Fantastic environment, especially when the mighty marching Marauders are up in the second story level of Beacom Lewis Gymnasium that place gets loud and that is a great rivalry between the schools which is separated by maybe a tenth of a mile because Central State used to be Wilberforce and then Central State kind of grew apart and now to talk about flying to the hoop the second largest boys basketball tournament in the United States happening at the James S. Trent Arena and I got to broadcast one year, and I was promised to get paid, and yeah, I already mentioned my feelings on that, and they blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> bravo, bravo. So your all-tournament team will start backwards. Fairmont's Ryan Hall gets an honor. Jaden Springer of IMG Academy. Namari Burnett of Prolific Prep of California. Samari Curtis, future UC Bearcat out of Xenia. Bella Vista Preps, Terry Armstrong, and Garfield Heights, Michi Johnson. For some reason, on my docket of things, I put the games on backwards. So we'll start from the first game, which there's two on Friday. Many more on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Of course, this year, you know, the weather got into it and made it kind of a havoc. There was a couple of reshufferings of the teams in the games, but... Eric Horseman does a great job with the tournament. Like I mentioned, my beef is not with, you know, flying to the hoop itself. As Fairmont defeats Crestwood Prep out of Ontario, Canada, 
61-55. Yes, Crestwood Prep also out of the Midwest King Classic in Middletown. They were there for flying to the hoop, then made the short trip to Middletown. I say short trip, but, you know, it's it's not too bad, let's be honest. IMG Academy defeats Huntington Prep, 83-75. The Lone Girls basketball game, which was a fairly recent addition a couple seasons ago, that got canceled. Carroll was supposed to take on Minster. First Love Christian Academy defeats Xenia 89-80. Centerville hands Oak Ridge, Florida, 63-52 loss, like I mentioned with Tony Peters. Centerville always seems to do quite well in the flying to the hoop. And this year, not exception for the Elks. That was a very strong Oak Ridge team. Crestwood Prep defeats Doan Prep out of Cincinnati, 75-61. Huntington Prep picks up their first win of the tournament, 72-67, over Bella Vista Prep. Prolific Prep defeats Springfield, 69-50. The Wildcats, one of the strongest teams in Ohio. Taft, 66. Stivers, 57 in the Battle of Cincinnati and Dayton. Chaminade Julian hands Akron Bucktail a 60-59 loss. Convoy Crestview defeats Minster, 71-63. Winton Woods defeats Lebanon and a battle of future Eastern Cincinnati Conference foes, 54-35. Bella Vista Pref defeats ISA at Andrews Osborne, 95-64. I believe ISA's in Georgia. That's the first time I ever heard of it when I wrote it in the script. Garfield Heights edges out Wayne, another strong team, 64-62 for the Bulldogs. Thurgood Marshall defeats Pace Academy out of Georgia, 64-56. Prolific Prep with a big 94-59 win over Spire Academy. You might know Spire Academy because LaMelo Ball is on that team and Lamar Ball was there and, you know, big ball of brand. Woo. I know Justin Kenner was super excited to meet Lamar. You know, so cool. Merritt Local defeats Cardinal Stritch 40-37. to Hughes with a 83-67 win over the Tigers of Cleveland Heights. Harvest Prep. Takes care of Middletown Madison, 79-56. And Pickering Central takes down Trotwood Madison, 95-80. And that's your look at the flying to the hoop. And that's your look at the major tournaments that happened around the Dayton-Cincinnati area. And also the classic in the country in Berlin Highland, which is not near Sunday. But that is, uh, that's where most local schools go to for the tournament play so you hear a lot of good things happening around the Miami Valley and Cincinnati I'm sorry I didn't get this episode out until this week but there you go and now I'd like to talk about something not sports related if you don't like sports you can turn out now and I'll talk to you next week I guess I'm talking about the strike happening at Wright State University. As you might know, I'm an alum. I graduated November 2010 with a Bachelor of Arts in Mass Communication at Wright State. Wright State always has a special place in my heart. I love working for the athletic department. As you know, I'm public address announcer for... Baseball and softball coming up, soccer, volleyball when I'm needed, and I was at swimming and diving before the program got cut. 
I feel like I'm part of the athletic department family, although I don't know how many people you go and ask, like, do you think Lee's part of your family? Like, who's that? I don't know. It's like, no, he's not part of our family. Don't lump him in with us. <laughs> so, yeah, I love Wright State. I'll always be a Wright State Raider. The strike is kind of tearing at my heart because I don't know which way I believe. I don't know what my thoughts are in terms of what I feel is right and what I feel is wrong. Don't come to me as a source of information news. I'm not your news source on this strike. And I don't claim to be. However, seeing that my season's going to kick up soon with Wright State in the next... College baseball starts next month, although home games don't happen in Cincinnati or Dayton until March because of the fact, you know, it's cold up here. Burr. So the strike is basically talking about benefits and pay. Faculty believes that, you know, they're having to deal with the large cuts that Wright State has to put in place because of the budget mishandling earlier in this decade. Apparently, the strike might end soon. A deal to end the faculty union strike at Wright State could be on the horizon. Uh, From some sources I saw, it might be Thursday this week, which would be the 31st. I'm not sure on that. And before anyone asks, I believe they have a reason to strike. That's fine. I'm not mad about the strike. Well, the act of striking. I'm mad about the strike, but... I I don't know what to feel. I get the fact that faculty needs a good benefits package. I mean, your health insurance, you know, stuff like that. And good pay, you know. You need that stuff to help enjoy your job. I'll be quite honest. When I went to Wright State, I felt like I was not being helped out when I was in the College of Liberal Arts. Because I had to do a lot of it myself. I went to career services myself. So I picked up my LinkedIn account. And I I feel... I don't know. I, I feel like the faculty picked favorites. And I was definitely not a favorite. So there you go. If I'm wrong on this, send your insults to the normal address. You know, I look forward to laughing at them. I, I mean, the I had a pretty nice job at the college radio station. I built up quite a solid resume. And it is 2019. Next November will be 10 years out of college, and I'm still... I'm still struggling to make ends meet. I'm now struggling if broadcasting is even right anymore, which breaks my heart to say that. But with two places slashing my opportunities by over half and yeah, I... And I feel like every time I apply for a job in Cincinnati, Dayton, sometimes Columbus, when I apply for a job, 
I feel like they built a program where it catches my name. And it's like, oh, it goes right in the shredder. And some people have told me about job openings. I've applied to them and heard absolutely zero back. And lately someone offered me two places, but I didn't apply to them because I felt like I was being jerked around. It's like, yeah, there's a job open, buddy. You're not getting it. So, yeah, I mean, that and coupling with the fact that I felt like I've been in a downward spiral for the past few weeks and I have no one to talk to about it except you, the podcast listener, which, you know, it's what you get, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Some things. I appreciate you listeners now hear me talk about my depression for 20 minutes. I feel like others got more of a help than I did because I was trying to make sure that at my sports director job that I was doing the best I could for the station. And I felt like I did that. I felt like the quality went up. I felt like, you know, we got people interested by we, I mean me. And I felt like that was, you know, something to hang my hat on, something that, you know, I could get a job on. And so far it hasn't. So, yeah. I I get why the faculty is striking, but I wonder if they're, you know, asking for too much. That's my take on it. And then some faculty is saying, oh, we don't need an athletics department. Some students are saying that too. We don't need athletics here. Who cares about athletics? Excuse me. Those are jobs, including mine. So, you know, go away with your negative Nancy tone on that. And also, when you have athletics, you award scholarships, which is, you know, you go to school for free or almost free depending on what type of scholarship you get like a fourth a half full ride you get where I'm going with this it just that's more bodies coming in that's more people to come in and you take all athletics away then then what so yeah I'm I feel like, I know I said I don't know which way I lean, but I feel like faculty's kind of in the wrong on this, and just all the attacks that staff has taken, just, I don't know, I've, uh, people are brutal nowadays. People don't care about each other anymore, and it, it breaks my heart. I hope the strike ends soon. It might end soon. I don't know. This is what, now day eight? of the strike because I thought they went to strike the Tuesday after Martin Luther King Jr. Day so technically it'd be 7 on this day of recording I don't it doesn't matter what matters is there's still a strike it's still a black eye and uh, yeah it's not great and I just I don't know I don't know you kind of heard my take saying that, you know, I wasn't really helped out a lot in college. I had to do a lot of it myself. I did love my advisor before I went to the College of Liberal Arts because that guy helped me out and told me to take Coach Jim Brown's class, which one of my favorite classes I ever took. 
It's a lot of fun. And Coach Brown actually joined me on a couple of broadcasts on WWSU. And now the color commentator on the main Wright State broadcast on 106.5, which he does a nice job. I mean, his basketball knowledge is just through the roof. And I dig it. So, yeah, Wright State strike still going on. Hopefully it ends soon. It's it's not a pretty situation. Addendum. Sorry you had to listen through all that. Just I'm just struggling lately, which doesn't make good podcast material. Nor does it make me a good podcaster, but yeah, I'm struggling a little bit. So I do apologize on that. Also wanted to bring up a couple of things. Mark Schlemmer is back on 1410 ESPN Radio, so you can listen to him from 3 to 6. It's good to hear Mark back. It's good to hear Mark is feeling better. So that's big thumbs up for my buddy Schlemmer. I mentioned college baseball starting next month in a couple of weeks. Man, it's hard to believe. Hard to believe that spring will be here. And that's all we can really tell ourselves because I'm not looking forward to this vortex. And yes, I know winter's supposed to be cold, but not this cold. It never got this cold. Hockey's going to finish up this month in the state of Ohio for high school hockey. Well, the regular season closes up in February. Then you got your conference tournaments and then your districts and then run to the state. I mentioned the first weekend of March, I'll be in Louisville broadcasting the entire Kentucky High School Hockey League tournament again. It'll be on youtube.com slash southmetrosports if you're interested. And I'll talk to you then. Of course, follow me on Twitter, the Lee W. Mallon. I got a broadcast later Tuesday afternoon. That'll be today against Olentangy Orange versus Springboro. Join me, youtube.com slash southmetrosports. It'll be a good time. Hockey's always a good time. That will close up episode 81 of the Gem and the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Sorry for the addendum. I just need to add that I was sorry for being so down. I mean, it's what I'm going through right now. You don't need to hear it. No one cares. So there you go. Until episode 82. And hopefully there's more sun and warmth on the way after this. It's the local Sunday Sports Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Pulse Podcast Network. This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson, from freepd.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen, spelled T H E L E E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit the Lee W. slash podcast would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast send a message on twitter at either account or visit the leewmallon.com 
and click Contact Me, and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.